Have you ever witnessed something happen and wondered, why is this happening right now? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's wasteful or the wrong time or something like that. Well, in today's sermon, our senior pastor, Margaret de Vega, is going to unpack a story uh, from John chapter 12, where Jesus is at a dinner table, because we're in our series meeting Jesus at the table, and a woman comes up and anoints him with a really expensive perfume. And some of his disciples don't understand what's happening. Now, McGray is going to put this in the context of what's happening uh, this week, which is Palm Sunday leading up to Easter. So if you're watching this leading up to Easter, think about that in terms of what's happening as we prepare for Easter. And if you're watching this at another time, just think about a time when uh, something really extravagant happened to you and you weren't sure what to do with it. Check it out. Let's pray. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, humility, and to the way of the cross, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. It was Palm Sunday Eve, the night before the palm-waving triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we celebrate today. John tells us that before all the pomp and pageantry, before the turning of the tables in the temple and the Last Supper table on Thursday, Jesus met at the dinner table with people who were like family. There were his 12 closest colleagues and his three dearest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised back to life just a chapter before. It was an intimate setting, a calm before the gathering storm, before his whole life and the entire world would be turned upside down in a matter of seven days. Jesus knew that this time, the following Saturday, he would be dead. He'd be arrested, tried, tortured, and crucified, and one by one, everyone would peel away, leaving him on the cross alone. So this was a precious last chance for Jesus to breathe, relax, be at peace, and apparently listen to his friends quarrel with each other over $24,000. That's one modern-day estimate of how much the one-pound jar of ointment was that got poured over Jesus' feet. And unlike the other gospel writers who don't name names of who did the anointing and who did the grumbling, John tells us who they were. The woman who did the lavish deed was Mary, and the one who lost his mind over it was Judas. And I have to say, I have to admit, there's a part of me that identifies with Team Judas here. Four years ago, my daughters and I took a three-day vacation to New York City to celebrate Grace's 18th birthday. That Saturday morning, we walked along Fifth Avenue the famous high-end shopping district near Central Park. We walked past Cartier, Bergdorf Goodman, Louis Vuitton, just gawking at the windows and the price tags. And then the girls wanted to walk into Tiffany's. I agreed. I'd never been inside a Tiffany's before. We walked through the revolving glass door, and we were greeted by a pristinely dressed doorman. He wore a three-piece suit and white gloves. I wore jeans, a baseball cap, and an old windbreaker. I was a fish out of water. On every floor, there was a separate concierge attendant. 
Welcome to the second floor, wedding and engagement rings, one of them said. I was tempted to fist bump them and say, what's up? <laughs> there was a large portrait of Audrey Hepburn in her iconic role in Breakfast at Tiffany's, and most everything cost at least five digits. I whispered to the girls, don't even think about getting your souvenir here. But there was one piece that caught my eye. It was a Tiffany Celeste yellow diamond ring 1.29 carat, intense oval yellow diamond surrounded by a perimeter of brilliant white diamonds set on a diamond platinum band. From every angle, it sparkled with dozens of twinkling lights like a miniature nebula of stars. I asked the woman behind the counter, how much is that? $25,800, she said. She didn't bother asking me if I was interested in purchasing it. Something about my jeans and baseball cap tipped her off. So before I even had a chance to say, really, that's amazing, she turned around to help another guest. On her way out, I nodded to the doorman and walked the wrong way out the revolving door, bumping into the glass. I really didn't belong in there. There is a part of me that can identify with Judas here. Because if I had $25,000, I probably wouldn't spend it on that ring in Tiffany's and then break it into a bunch of little pieces and then toss it onto someone's feet. Because that's basically what Mary did with her alabaster jar of spike nard ointment. And there's a lot more practical things that I could do with that kind of money. But John, the gospel writer, is kind of an omniscient narrator for us because he's able to give us a glimpse into the minds of Judas and Mary. Judas, John tells us, was not really concerned about the poor. He was, in John's words, a thief who skimmed the coffers of Jesus' ministry and pocketed the excess for himself. He clearly had never submitted to an annual audit. But Mary, for her part, was not some careless spendthrift, quite the opposite. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was preparing for Holy Week. On the night before Palm Sunday, she was offering Jesus one final courageous and extravagant act of worship, something that Jesus could remember as he went through the trauma of the days ahead. So Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Judas entered Holy Week with the wrong kind of mindset. Mary entered Holy Week with exactly the right kind of heart, a heart focused on worshiping Jesus. So as we enter Holy Week today, this is the question that we get to answer. What are you willing to spend on Jesus this week? I'm not talking about ointments and jewelry, but something that does cost a lot. 10,000, in fact. 10,000 minutes. That's the amount of time you and I have between now and Easter Sunday. Time, as you know, can be just as valuable as the money you have, and it is just as easily tempting to spend it entirely on ourselves. The Judas inside each of us would have us spend these next seven days skimming the extra time entirely for ourselves. But Mary would invite us to look at deeper, more worshipful ways 
to pour out our time for Jesus this week. The easiest place to start would be for you to spend some time this week reading the stories of Holy Week. And I'd stay right here in the Gospel of John because John gives us more detail than any other gospel about the events of Holy Week. For the next six days, read John chapters 12 to 19. You can read a little more than a chapter a day, recount the stories, and give thanks for Jesus along the way. Second, you can pray. Pray for people you know who are hurting. Just as Jesus experienced the worst of human suffering, you know people who are really struggling, and it would be well worth spending some of your 10,000 minutes praying for the needs of others. Even if you don't know them personally, pray for the victims of the horrible shooting at the school in Nashville and for political and moral courage that would lead to common sense gun policies. Pray for those affected by the tornadoes in Mississippi and for the first responders and recovery efforts. Pray for those who are still rebuilding from Hurricane Ian. Pray for the people of Israel as they courageously stand up for democratic values. Pray for the people of Ukraine. And of course, pray for the people you know. This Saturday, I will take up a prayer practice that I regularly do on the day before Easter. I take my whole list of friends and family, including friends on social media, and one by one, I say a simple prayer for them lifting up whatever concern that I know that they're struggling with. And I do this on Holy Saturday because that is the day of silent sorrow and grief in the Passion narrative. But it's also the verge of greatest hope because it is in the later hours of Saturday and into the early Sunday hours that the resurrection happened even before the first witnesses showed up. So my Saturday prayer for each person is simply this. God, do the work of resurrection in my friend's life, even before they can recognize it. You might choose to do the same, even if you're not on social media, praying for each of the people that you know, near and far, that they might experience resurrection. Third, and finally, the clearest way for you to experience Holy Week is to spend some of your 10,000 minutes attending our various services this week. Each service, online and in person, at the Portico and Hyde Park campuses is listed on our website, hydeparkumc.org forward slash Easter. And they help us remember the events of the final days and hours of Jesus' life. On Thursday, we will meet Jesus at the table, the table of the Last Supper, and remember the command of Jesus to love one another. We'll receive communion together. And in our 7 p.m. Hyde Park service, we'll have the option of receiving foot washing in the example of Jesus. On Friday, we will remember the events of Jesus' arrest, trial, crucifixion, with a stirring movement from light to darkness with powerful music and scripture readings. And then we will gather for Easter with online services, a 6.30 a.m. service at Waterworks Park and in-person services at 9.30 and 11 o'clock on the Hyde Park campus. Our scripture reading on Easter Sunday will be one final gathering at the table between Jesus and two travelers on the way to Emmaus 
who experienced resurrection in their lives. You know, maybe the best way for you to spend your 10,000 minutes is to share it with a friend or a loved one and invite them to join you in attending these services this week so that they too can experience the power of the cross and the glory of the resurrection and new life. As we gather for communion in a few moments and meet Jesus at the sacramental table, consider how you will spend this week ahead, like Judas or Mary. It's a choice between a heart turned inward upon itself or a heart turned outward in worship and adoration of Jesus, who gave of his very life so that we might live. The choice is yours, as is the time you have. Spend it wisely. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who poured out his life as an extravagant gift for all creation. In grateful response, we offer ourselves to you, our time, our resources, and the wholeheartedness of our devotion. Prepare our hearts for the week ahead as we relive and remember the stories that change the world. And help us to be a blessing to others along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this message challenges you to think about how you can express gratitude, remembrance, and think about the people who mean the most to you in your life. If you want to take this message further, we've got some questions down in the notes below. You can talk about those questions with a friend. You can invite them to watch this sermon or listen to this podcast. And you can connect with us by going to hydeparkumc.org slash next steps. I'm Matt Hotho, and I'll see you next time.